Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and I'll read from verse 1 down to verse number 14. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if he will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that adheres to hear, let him hear. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you for the privilege we have to know you personally as Lord and Savior because of your redemptive work on Calvary's cross. Lord, we come before you tonight, humble that you would love us, knowing that we are so undeserving. Dear Lord, we ask for your special blessing as your word goes forth. Use it in a mighty way to speak to each and every heart. Ask that you would take full control and may your word find a lodging place in every heart tonight. And if there's someone on the sound of my voice who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, may tonight be the night of their salvation and for every believer that each one will be strengthened and challenged to take a closer walk with you. Take full control, have your divine way, and we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. God created you and me with emotions. Emotions are really feelings. These emotions can fluctuate from day to day hour to hour, probably even from minute to minute. Sometimes we feel happy. Sometimes we feel sad. Sometimes we are excited. Other times we are discouraged. Sometimes we are overwhelmed. Sometimes we are energized. Sometimes we are stressed. At other times we are enthusiastic. Sometimes we are angry. At other times we are calm. There are so many 
emotions that we can feel and experience. We can go from one extreme to another very quickly and easily depending on what happens. One of the things that can certainly trigger our emotions and cause us to feel what we would describe as negative emotions is criticism. Criticism. I think it's safe to say that as human beings, and in a very general sense, we don't like criticism. We don't often respond well to it. But criticism is a part of the human existence. Sometimes criticism is justified. Sometimes it's not. But whether it is justified or it's not, I can guarantee you it is going to exist. Involvement in ministry doesn't make us exempt from criticism. We're engaged in this series that I've entitled The Ministry to Pattern. And I want to help all of us who are involved in the work of God, are involved in the things of God, have a desire to serve God. I want to caution each and every one of us, and I'm sure you already recognize this, that doing something for God with great passion and enthusiasm and even with a genuine heart, which it ought to be done with, will not exempt you or me from criticism. After all, as we'll see in our text in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, Jesus himself received criticism. Not in this text only, but throughout the Gospels, you would recognize that time and time again, he was criticized by the Pharisees, by the Sadducees, by his family members, from the religious crowd. But I would, I would venture to say that Jesus must have expected criticism. He knew that it would be par for the course, if you will. It would go with the territory. Why? Because Jesus, when he graced this earth with his presence, he was challenging the status quo. He was challenging their norms, their ideas, their rituals. And because he was the king of kings and is the king of kings and lord of lords, he knew what people were thinking. He could even challenge their motives. And so oftentimes throughout his ministry, he would speak to motives and not just what people said because he could see the heart. And when it came to the religious leaders in particular, who were his fiercest critics, understand that Jesus was drawing a crowd, which meant that the religious leaders following was being diminished. 
Their significance was decreasing. And so in response, they often criticized. By the way, let me interject that no matter who you are, you cannot address and respond to every criticism that comes your way. If you endeavor or try to do that, you won't be doing anything else with your life but responding to every criticism. But sometimes criticism really stings when it comes from unexpected places. When it comes from someone close to you. When it comes from someone you love. When it comes from someone who you just didn't expect or anticipate because you would have expected them to understand. And that understanding would nullify or cause the criticism to go away. But here it showed up. My friend, that happens in life. That happened to Jesus. And Jesus, of course, is omniscient, meaning he knows everything. And tonight we're looking at this text, and I want you to notice that he received criticism from a source that we would not have expected it to come from, but of course he knew because he knows all things. And I want us to pay close attention to this text tonight as I preach a message entitled, Dealing with unexpected criticism. Dealing with unexpected criticism. Now, we understand and have already established that, listen, it's going to come from various places, I mean, and you cannot deal with it all. But Jesus received it from a place that, from a human perspective, you would have been the last place to expect it to come from, but there it came. And if Jesus received it, that should give us some calm. Don't be shocked that when we do. Amen? But I want us to address and look at how Jesus dealt with it. Because this is quite instructive and probably not the way in which we respond when we are criticized. So I want you to notice and jot down, if you're taking notes, first of all, the activeness in ministry. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Jesus was actively engaged in ministering to people. He was preaching and teaching. He was getting the job done. He was doing the work that he was here on earth to do. And my friend, mark it down. It is when you are fully engaged when criticism can have potentially its greatest negative impact on your life. Be aware. It's when you're active about the Lord's work when the enemy would want to slow you down, to trip you up. You know, the faster you're driving, 
it's more important that you avoid distractions. The more dangerous it is to be distracted when you are moving at a good clip. You see, the enemy knows that when you are on fire, it's the best time for a distraction. That's the ideal time to pull out out of the bag of tricks some criticism. Best way to trip you up. Best way to trip us up. And notice, even before this criticism came, that Jesus was active in ministering. Notice, secondly, what happened in verses 2 and 3. There was the questioning of his authenticity. Questioning his authenticity. Look at verse number 2. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come? Now it's so significant that this criticism would come from John. John, we understand, is the forerunner of Jesus. John was the one who would say, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And the Bible says in that same verse, John had heard in the prison the works of Christ. So he knew what Jesus was doing. He had heard of the blind who were receiving their sight, the lame who was being made to walk, the deaf who was hearing, the dumb who was speaking. And in response to hearing what Jesus had done, this criticism came from John. Questioning, are you the Messiah? Or are you someone else? If you pay close attention to criticism, oftentimes, criticism oftentimes takes the form of questioning your authenticity. Questioning your motive for doing what you do. You ever heard criticism like this? Your bias. You're unfair. You are inconsistent. The most hurtful and potentially damaging criticism that we feel as people, and by the way, I'm not speaking just of myself, I'm speaking of us corporately as people, of how we respond and what we feel. When criticism comes to us, the most hurtful criticism questions who we really are as people. It attempts to highlight an inconsistency between who you portray to be or claim to be compared to who you really are. And so the conclusion many times of criticism that's most hurtful is that it suggests that you're a hypocrite. You're an imposter. You're pretending to be this, but you are really this. 
That's the kind of criticism that Jesus received. That's the kind of criticism that strikes at the very core of who we are. That's the kind of criticism that we receive that's most hurtful as human beings. And so this criticism that came to Jesus questioned his authenticity. But notice thirdly, the criticism also diminished his credibility. Look at what John went on to ask. He says, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? Here's what the criticism suggests. You're not good enough. Now you examine criticism that hurts you the most. It often suggests we need somebody else better because you're not meeting expectations. Ever felt that? This is why and how criticism can be so effective in causing people to stop doing what they're doing. The one who was here before was doing it better. You're not doing a good job. We need somebody else who's going to do a better job than being, that's being done right now. Now I want us to understand that in this text, this criticism was being received by Jesus. This was being received at a time, of course, great things were happening in this ministry. And here's something we must understand. By the way, I want us to understand this in the context. Even though criticism comes from a variety of different places for different reasons, we're talking about it as it relates to doing the work of God. That when it comes to ministry, notice, there's always a phase of initial excitement. But after a while, Criticism comes. John was disappointed with Jesus because of his response to his personal situation. It's likely, and you can see clearly here, that John had some expectations of Jesus that were not being met. Here he was in prison, and he was hoping, I'm sure, that he would have been released, probably hoping that Jesus would have overthrown the Roman government by now that was oppressing God's people. Whatever it was, John's expectations were not met. And it's important to understand that this oftentimes is one of the roots of criticism, especially from people who might have previously been your biggest supporters. Because expectations were not met. But it's important to understand when criticism is received, understand that unmet expectations will always exist. You know why? No one person on planet Earth can please everybody else on planet Earth. So when you receive criticism, 
understand that you as a human being can please everybody. Jesus could not please everybody and he is God. Well, what about us? So when criticism comes, understand it in the context. Well, I can't please everybody. So when it comes, don't jump off a bridge. Because no matter what the expectations were, you will not meet everybody's expectation. But in this text, if anybody should have or might have been able to understand Jesus, you would have expected to be John. I'm establishing here the reality that in life you cannot escape criticism. But it's important to understand not only the reality that it exists, but understand why it comes. But what I want us to spend some time here finally looking at tonight is how Jesus responded to the criticism. I don't want you to jot this down. Point number four, that he responded with humility. Now this is where we often can get tripped up. I mean, imagine Jesus, the, the, the God of the universe, the one who created the people who would criticize him, chose to respond with humility. Now, I'm going to give you a few things in how Jesus did that and how we are to endeavor to do this as well. And this is hard for us. By the way, I'm including myself in all this. I'm not, ex- I'm not here tonight to suggest to you that I'm the master of dealing with criticism, but God is teaching me. Here's the first thing you got to do. Avoid emotionalism. Sometimes we can tend to fly off the handle and be all bent out of shape because we're criticized. We understand. I understand. Listen, nobody likes criticism. Now, here's the the other thing I want you to understand. Nobody likes criticism. Even the person who is criticizing you does not like criticism. But yet, here it comes. Amen? Amen? But we got to keep emotions in check. Here's one of the ways to keep emotions in check. Don't get too high. Don't get too low with the criticism. And the way to help that, when the compliments come, don't get too high and don't get too low. Even keel. And here's what I'm recognizing and learning. That inside of every criticism, there is something to learn. You either can learn something about yourself, or you can learn something about the person criticizing you. Because just like people have expectations, we have expectations as well. You see, sometimes the reason why we are so 
taken apart by criticism is that sometimes what has happened is that our expectations were that everybody would approve of us. So when there's a recognition that everybody doesn't approve, then we're all emotional. So here's one way to help the emotional response. When criticism comes, remember that I told you that it was going to come. You know, when you expect something, it's better, you're better able to deal with it. When you're flying in an aircraft and the pilot has an awareness based on communication with air traffic control that there is turbulence ahead, the pilot announces to the passengers and the cabin crew, turbulence is going to be felt in a short while. Prepare for the turbulence. Find your seats. Put on your seat belt. You know the pilot, why the pilot is saying that? It's not just for you to prepare your body to be physically in place and strapped in. Of course, that's a part of it. But he's also telling you in advance, he or she is telling you in advance so that you can prepare your mind. So when the turbulence comes, you are already prepared mentally to deal with it. Knowing that it's going to come helps you to deal with it. Imagine if you had no idea, you were just flying around, you know, just everything's moving. All of a sudden, your response would be different. So knowing that it's going to come helps you to avoid emotionalism. Here's the second thing, very quickly. Be aware of the environment. What do I mean by that? When criticism comes, be aware of what's happening at the time. Be aware of the events, circumstances that could contribute to that criticism. The source of the criticism. The state of mind of the person criticizing you. Here is what good things were happening. But John was in prison. What was he feeling? What did John expect? What unmet expectations did he have? Were these unreasonable expectations? Should they have been John's expectations? You see, to ask these questions is not to justify the criticism, but it's to understand why it's happening. You see, my friend, when you understand why something is happening, you're better able to address it, to fix it, to solve it, or to even prevent it. Imagine trying to repair a car where you have no idea how a car works. It doesn't work. And so, be aware of the environment. But notice thirdly, very importantly, assess the evidence. Assess the evidence. Look at verse number four, what Jesus answered in response to this criticism. Jesus didn't say, John, how dare he come and criticize me? I am the God of the universe. He says, go and show John again. Why did he say again? 
Because John had heard in the prison what Jesus was doing. And he says, go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Jesus responded to the questions of his authenticity by saying, listen, look at the evidence to answer the question. What question? I am indeed the one. I'm the Messiah. No one else fits the profile based on what is happening. Listen, Jesus was saying to John, John, I know what you expected did not, did not happen, but it does not nullify my authenticity. You see, oftentimes offenses occur because we have taken our eyes off of the big picture and we've made it about us. And I'm talking about both parties. I'm talking about the person who criticizes. And I'm talking about the person who receives the criticism. Here's what Jesus was saying to John. John, don't be offended. Jesus was looking, saying to John, John, when you look at the whole big picture, if you're honest, you can tell I'm the Messiah. I know you're hurt. And Jesus wasn't offended. You can tell it from his response because notice finally how he responded. He avoided emotionalism. He was aware of the environment. He assessed the evidence. But notice finally, he aimed to educate. We're not going to look at all these verses, but if you read from verse 1, 7 down to verse 19, Jesus took the time to speak of John and John's importance to his ministry. He didn't take the opportunity to dismiss John's relevance and his importance. He speaks to the people's response to John and how that related to their response to him. Remembering that John was the forerunner of Jesus. And here's the thing I want us to understand, that in ministry, there is always something to learn. And when there is an opportunity, it can also open up an opportunity to teach what should be done and how it should be done and how it can be done in a better way. Jesus took the time to educate. And so the next time you receive some criticism that stings, it can sting, and it feels unfair, and it might be unfair. Let's pattern Jesus. Doesn't mean that you're saying it's justified. And remember, we're not Jesus. So maybe sometimes it might be, maybe it might not even be received or coming from a pure heart. You know what? Sometimes you can still learn something. You can learn <laughs> some things about human, the human existence. And it bodes well to help us to follow the pattern of Jesus. We are human beings. We have emotions. We have feelings. 
They can be pulled and twist, twisted in a variety of different places. But notice, Jesus did not let the criticism stop him from doing what he knew he ought to do. And by the way, even though John criticized, he understood John's pain. But notice, the criticism did not cause him to even resolve John's problem. You know, sometimes criticism is for you to learn, but it doesn't mean that you ought to adjust. Sometimes we ought to. But Jesus continued doing what he was. And he spoke of John and his significance. And thank God that there's so much that we can learn from the word as we seek to pattern what Jesus did. And I trust that God will help us on something that oftentimes does not feel good. Why? We love to be applauded. We love to be complimented. We love the approval. But even in criticism, there's so much that we can learn. And let's pattern Jesus' response to criticism.